Did you see uh, the other day she had this – her Instagram stories are disgusting. She had, like, a big one on a head, and she side-by-sided it with uh, Mike Wazinski from uh, Monsters, oh. Inc. Because they looked alike. It oh, saved no. my phone. I will not post it because everyone will yell at me, and rightfully <laughs> so. <laughs> Just, I mean, if you like wrestling, you probably like subjecting yourself to, like, gnarly shit sometimes. So, you know, you might like Dr. Pimple Popper. Just a suggestion. Hello and welcome to Splania, the podcast where I, Kath Barbadoro, introduce the wonderful world of professional wrestling to my friend Rachel Millman. Hi! How you doing, Rachel? Every like week on this show, I get to talk about wrestling, but I also get to do a side project of updating people on the new stupid bullshit that's happened to me recently. <laughs> it's just like, oh, my house flooded again. Great. I'm fine. My back hurts less. <laughs> Good. Seal your tiles, people. <laughs> yeah, get renter's insurance, seal your tiles. Sue your landlord. Sue your landlord. <laughs> um, yeah, no, this is exciting because we're recording in my house, which like never happens. I know. Because um, your house, unfortunately, is not in a current studio shape at the moment, but uh, it will be. We'll be It'll you'll be all right. There. It's just, no one <laughs> needs to know about like my mundane frustrations with my landlord. It's just... You know. Fuck landlords. That's the if official. If you listen to this show, you know the general opinion on landlords. Right. <laughs> the WrestleSplania position is fuck landlords. They suck. A cab. Someone should be uh, a heel landlord. That would be a really good, like a slumlord guy. I own this ring. What? Like I own this, but they specifically. Own oh, the they ring. own the ring. Yeah. Oh, That's they, a great idea. That kind of happened, but this would go into this episode would go dark if we talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I think, but I think like Slumlord evicting people from the ring, like that yeah. would be awesome. I would love that. Yeah, I would be really into that. <laughs> I'd be super, super into that. Um, speaking of good heels, uh, our subject today I think is a very good heel. I'm very excited to talk about him. We are doing an episode on the Miz. Awesome. <laughs> He's so good. Yeah, He's I so feel good. like this was such a perfect one to do for episode 50 too. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, why? <laughs> Just cuz like we've been 50 is a big number. Yeah. You know, we've done 50 of these, my god. And two, like we've been talking about reality TV since right. the beginning. That's why I was going to say like I feel like this if I I think I've done a pretty good job introducing you. Great job. I'm insufferable now. (laughs) (laughs) I think that like if I if you were not into wrestling and I knew you and I knew your interests and there was like one thing I could give you to get into wrestling, it would be the Miz. Because he is such a perfect intersection of all of your interests. (laughs) Like trash television, uh, (laughs) being a shithead. Uh, loves Pee Wee Herman. Okay, okay, we're getting positive again. Thank you. <laughs> you like weird stuff. I'm sorry. I do. I, I love weird. I w- love weird, terrible shit. And, and you watched him on The Real World, right? When you were a kid. He was the first season of The Real World I watched while it was on TV. Yeah, and I think it, me too. I think me too. I first started really thinking about The Real World the first time I watched Clueless. 
Paul Rudd uh, nags Alicia Silverstone by saying, like, when she put, puts on CNN, and he was like, what, you're not going to make me watch the real world or mm-hmm. Ren and Stimpy? And, and I was she like, goes, I care about the news. I care about I've the news. I've seen that movie so many goddamn times. They're way okay. existential. <laughs> uh, and that movie is actually how I learned what the word existential and really impressed my fourth grade teachers. I think Thank that you. movie is how I learned uh, what a virgin was. I'm pretty sure. It's how I learned what butt sex was. When do they talk about butt sex and Clueless? Uh, when Dion says she's technically a virgin and goes, you know what I mean? She means a blowjob, you psycho. No, she means butt sex. She does not mean butt sex. <laughs> you pervert child. <laughs> We're like, oh, she's definitely getting railed in her ass. That's what that means. No, she's no. in high school. She's giving blowjobs. Wow. At the time... At the time, you are don't weigh in here. This is crazy. This is madness. We should do a Twitter poll <laughs> on this plenty Absolutely. Account. Okay. Once this episode is over, that is a hundred percent going up. I have. We could do a whole episode on this. We need. Well, to move she on. says my man is satisfied. He has no cause for complaints, and she, she gives looks at her good head, and she goes, "You know what I mean? Yeah, head." <laughs> no, butt stuff. But Absolutely those. not. Absolutely not. That was a common thing in the 90s. What are you talking about? For teenagers was like, you, were, you give them the other one. It's one of the two. And you have to keep the one pure you were, because they're talking about purity because the 90s were a psycho time. You were 12 in 1999. You do not know that people were doing butt stuff in the 90s. We need to talk about The Miz. <laughs> <laughs> we have to talk about Kevin, but it's we need to talk about The Miz. Anyway, sorry to go on the Clueless tangent for a moment. Never apologize That's, for a Clueless tangent. I will never. Thank you. Uh, but she, they say the real world, and at the time I m- maybe misinterpreted two things in that movie, remains to be seen, uh, <laughs> about how... I was like, oh, is the real world like a show that like cool people watch? Mm. I should watch watch the real world. And then we finally got MTV a couple years later because uh, my parents at the time were like, we're not paying extra for MTV. Go away. Like, stop it. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, the real real world back to New York. I can watch this and like feel cool and relevant. Mm. And he was not my favorite character by a long shot <laughs> at the time. Cause no, because your favorite was Coral, right? Duh. She's the fucking best. Coral scared me at first, but some, like the fight or flight part of me knew that I she had to be my friend if I wanted to survive. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like a good early object lesson in like terrifying women and their power. <laughs> oh my God. And like we watch it I now and it's like I'm so glad this show did not air during the Think Peace era. Oh, absolutely. Because we'd be exhausted by it. But it is like wonderful dynamics that I actually think the foundation of the real world was built on as a show. Totally. A very influential season. If you are at all interested in our opinions about the real world, we are doing a bonus episode about just this season of the real world and the Miz and Coral's role in it. Uh, If you are interested in that, subscribe to our Patreon. Because it's going to be good. But uh, for all intents and purposes... We saw him on The Real World. You didn't like him at the time. It's really kind of fascinating how my like lens on The Miz has changed. Because like when I first watched the show, it premiered when I was 14. Mm-hmm. We were about to enter like this like weird like post 9-11 like teenage ennui. And yeah. like I did not like a guy who was loud and screaming and fratty like, and running into trucks on the street in Manhattan <laughs> and screaming. But like... I don't know. I've gotten older. My tastes have obviously changed in the past year. But like, I think the power of self-awareness goes a long way because he wasn't portrayed as likable on the show. No. He was the villain for the season. 
Um, but like he learned to be a villain because of the show, and he wouldn't be who he is without her, without Coral, a hundred percent. So we watched specifically for this a little clip of him doing the Miz on the Real World because <laughs> that's what's so interesting is I remember this you know when yeah. it aired and then hearing that he actually became a wrestler named the Miz is like so crazy. So <laughs> he's doing this character and he's doing this weird voice, um, but there's a there's a one thing in it that I feel like just sums up how I feel being a wrestling fan and that's when he tries to like so they they have a montage of him like trying to body slam people from out of frame so he just like sails into frame onto like a bed or like whatever and there's just this one scene of this woman like one of the people in the house she's like walking down the stairs or something and he tries to like like body slam her and she just goes fuck off (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I just feel like that is what being a wrestling fan is. It's you super enthusiastically being like, Wah! and the other person's being like, fuck off. <laughs> I love how filthy the house is. It's disgusting, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's disgusting, and it's like, they're they're all like fake fighting. There's like a whole thing where he has like a fake championship belt. He's exactly like every fucking Mark wrestling fan. He has a championship belt, and he's like beating up his friends because they keep taking it. It's a tiny belt, too. Yeah, it's a piece he of shit. Clearly <laughs> got at that costume store in Chelsea. Yeah. Where they rent out all the furry costumes for Times Square. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, like he he was the villain in that season and he clearly kind of knew it in retrospect. And then he did all of this other reality show stuff. Yeah, he did a bunch of real world road rules challenges mm-hmm. and paired with Coral. With Coral, yeah. Notably. And Coral, I think, is one of the most successful like real yeah. world challenge people of all time. She is, yeah. But the other cute thing about this clip they brought in this ECW wrestler, Amish Roadkill. Yeah. And, like, when they bring him in, he goes from being this guy who is trying to be a blonde football player from Ohio with a ton of friends with, like, bravado and, like, puffing out his chest yeah. and trying to be a character on top of the character of Mike. And But all of a sudden, he turns into a child. His yeah. eyes light up and he just mumbles ECW under his breath. It's so cute. And it's like, it's so funny because so he's doing his whole Miz thing and then Amish Roadkill comes in and he has this minute where he has to like kind of collect himself where he's like, yeah. oh shit. And then he starts doing the character again, but he's clearly like kind of embarrassed about it. Like you can tell he's sort of like reluctant to do it. And Amish Roadkill like starts kind of making fun of him. He's like, are you the honky tonk man? Like, what is this? And, uh, but you can tell he's just like, thrilled about the whole thing he's so starstruck but and this isn't even like a particularly notable wrestler like no they had to put a label on him um but like you can see this look in his eyes of like idolization becoming like totally realization and he makes the decision instead of being like oh my god i'm such a like i'm I'm sorry i'm a really big mark just i really like what you do and instead goes this is my spot stay in character yeah and that is the Miz. Totally. That is the Miz now. Like Yeah, he was throwing he was throwing fake punches and stuff in front of this actual wrestler. Like that's clearly somebody who's really excited and wants to do it. <laughs> I will say in this clip, his selling is not bad. Like it's really not bad. Like his little like worked punches are cute too. Yeah. Because he's like openly just like slapping the inside <laughs> of his arm. And it's like this is a kid who like rewound 
and pause and rewound totally round and pause there's just like a shot of like one of the girls in the house like hitting him with a pillow like jokingly (laughs) and he sells it like he really gets hit and i'm just like he's not he's not awful like yeah okay well (laughs) he is the actor (laughs) yeah well he clearly has so much charisma in these moments and even watching the season he was kind of a shithead when he's doing this character and he's clearly having a lot of fun and people are really entertained by him and you can see him sort of feeding off that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this is a guy who was meant to be on television in some capacity. It's that first bug. Yeah, totally. You know, like when you do your like high school musical and you get one line and you're like, oh, everybody loves me. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Or in your case, probably doing jokes. Yeah, totally. I've just, it's, love it. He goes on this journey through reality television yep and then our next stop for the show was tough enough yeah 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 we watched his little opening clip in a shirtless on the railroad <laughs> tough enough in his shitty apartment where he shows off his bookcase and it's only wrestling books and it's like oh this guy's so dumb yeah he's just a <laughs> dork though it's it's similar to velveteen dream yeah. i feel of like i studied this I love this. This is my passion. I care about this history. Like, I'm sure there are people out there who can listen to the weird voice he does as the original Inception of The Miz and know who from the territories he's trying to impersonate. Right. I can't quite figure it out, but I've only been doing this less than a year for 50 episodes. (laughs) He's a honky-tonk man. He's a honky-tonk man. (laughs) It's really adorable, though, and he has, like, this little, like, shitty L.A. apartment because he clearly got on TV and said, all right... I have the bug. I want to do this. Yeah, totally. Obviously, Velveteen Dream's complete wrestling weeb status shines through more, but it's, I think, being a dweeb for stuff in the mid, early to mid aughts was not as revered as it is now. Like, we didn't have the Marvel movie machine. It wasn't cool to know, like, a ton of facts about something. So, obviously, he has to, like, hide that. But, I mean, he's also a buff white guy from the Midwest. Like, they don't want a nerd. They want a buff white guy from the Midwest. Yeah, I think it's interesting, too, because I think in wrestling, there's almost a stigma. Or there was. I don't think there is anymore. And some people... When we did the... um, I did the Lucha episode with Jared Goldberg. He was kind of lamenting this, actually. um, That, like wrestling used to not be for wrestling fans to do (laughs) like wrestling fans and wrestlers used to be way more separate groups than they are now and now it's a lot of people who grew up marks getting into the business yeah and for better or for worse that used to not be that way so I think that like somebody coming in and being like I'm here because I'm a huge fan there's almost a little bit of a stigma against that which I think is kind of interesting because I do think that has changed. It's like, obviously, I think people respect like knowledge, but it's like, oh, you're just a mark. Like, you're not here to work. You're just a mark. You're, you know what I mean? A lot of wrestling fans do wrestling training and decide that it's not what they want and wind up going towards MMA. Interesting. It's a bit, it's, it's a slight trend that I have like read about very briefly. And, you know, I don't have numbers or figures. It's just, <laughs> it's just, I thought it was interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, there's, like, a lot of stigma against him as the real-world guy. Yeah. Even apart from being a, a wrestling fan, that he's coming into the show as, like, oh, you're just trying to get on TV some more. You did all this other... You did Fear Factor. You yeah. You did all this stuff. You starfucker. Right. Like, you're not, you're not here to wrestle. And he's like, no, 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 I'm a huge fan. And then that also has stigma to it. It's like, oh, well, then you're just smart. Like, he can't win. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
so yeah, I think there's like a lot of things stacked against him. But again, I just find him like a very engaging presence on camera. Yeah, even when he's like got the terrible like dyed highlighted hair and shit. (laughs) It's just he has an it factor. Yeah. And like most of the people we talk about have an it factor in some capacity. But by all means, like I should not be this enthused by like someone who looks like him and acts like him. Right. A frat guy from Ohio who ended up on the real world. Like, not somebody that we would generally find super appealing. Um, But you said, like, so in that first intro Tough Enough clip, he's wearing, he shows off his gear. Because he also says he's been working on the indies um, before, like, he's doing this Tough Enough interview, which I think, again, like, shows, like, dedication to this. Yeah. I do want to also put in context for you, the indies at this time were not the indies that we know now. I did not assume yeah. they were. They, yeah. It was a lot like more smaller scale stuff. Um, you know, he's not like a, a Daniel Bryan or something like coming. No, no. And because I also feel like they would have incorporated that into his character more on WWE. Right. Because it was a lot easier than, for them to sweep any sort of prior stuff under the rug. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, he's he shows his gear and he has these eyes. And you said that you thought that maybe the Velveteen Dream gear with the eyes was a reference to the Miz's eyes. I'm not sure though, just because like that wouldn't that would be incongruous with his like uh degeneration shirt that he wore. But he does wear them in the ring on in later clips that we watched. Where he has like the Miz eyes and stuff on them. Obviously, yeah. they're not screen printed with a can of, can of spray paint on some tidy whiteies. But <laughs> but yeah, I just thought that was interesting because I thought the same thing when I saw them. Like, oh, that looks like Velveteen Dreams gear. And then you're drawing these comparisons between them as the the resident mark on their season of Tough Enough. Yeah, I just think it's interesting. The resident mark, the resident like extremely proud peacock. Yeah. Whenever Dream does get called up, like they have to tag together and then feud. It seems so, <laughs> so obvious. And then we get Miz Babyface. So the last thing we watched from his sort of like baby Miz era was like... The last vestiges of real Miz too. <laughs> of, of Mike? Yeah, of Mike. <laughs> was uh, him introducing the Diva Search in 2006, which I guess this was like... I don't know if this was exactly his debut on the main roster or... It was his debut on Raw. Okay, yeah. So for a little bit of context, he he ends up losing Tough Enough and um, going back to like LA for a little while. And I think that this might have been when he did Fear Factor. I might be wrong about the the chronology there, but he goes back to LA and then like six months to a year later, whatever, WWE calls and offers him a developmental deal in Deep South Wrestling, which was basically like an NXT type league, but it wasn't on TV. It was just solely developmental. Yeah. Um, and it was in Atlanta. So he, he moved to Atlanta. And again, I feel like just showing that his willingness to like put in the hours and not, he's not doing this to be on TV. He's doing this cause he wants to be a wrestler. Yeah. He says in the clip that we watched, like I didn't even, uh, get cleared for it and I had already moved there. Yeah. Like, like he was ready to go. Yeah. So he goes there, he stays there for a year or two, and then he debuts on Raw hosting this diva search thing. <laughs> and he's not good at it. <laughs> he's also, apparently said in interviews that he was sort of doing like a Ryan Seacrest type type gimmick. That was kind of his thing. Um Ryan Seacrest can get a sentence out. Yeah, I mean, if that's your gimmick, you have to be a little slicker. 
because he's he's very green. I'll say that. Yeah. He's not the Miz we know and love today. It's weird that he held it together in front of Amish Roadkill and like <laughs> falls apart with this. And you see him. There's a uh, like a sort of a extra credit clip that we watched that I watched where he they bring all the divas out and stuff and he has them introduce themselves and mm-hmm. it's actually where he meets his future wife right maurice is one of the divas maurice is one of the divas which again perfect for this guy that he meets his wife on a reality show um, basically beautiful. it's wonderful what? i love them we'll get into that later but yeah. god i fucking love them they're okay. so cute <laughs> um but he says, like, do you see why I got so nervous? Because he knows he fucked up. Yeah, he's you know trying to save it, and I respect that. Yeah, but I also want to say that the prize for Tough Enough was a million-dollar contract. Do you want to know how much the prize for the Divas search is? How much? Quarter million. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> the Divas search was weird because it wasn't a search for wrestlers. It was a search for valets, right? Pretty much, yeah. It was a search for, like, WWE like women like so I think some of them ended up being um some of them did end up wrestling some of them ended up being um like the backstage interviewer type people yeah and then some of them ended up being managers and valets and stuff so it was like just such a weird like you have a women's division like why can't you do because I don't know if there were women on tough enough that season I think there may have been but I'm not sure uh, I know later seasons of Tough Enough had women on The them. one that he was on? Yeah. I don't think there was because I watched the clip where they make all of them compete together. And it's all dudes. All dudes. Yeah. Including make- Ryback. <laughs> Did you see Ryback? Little uh, baby Ryback? What's his shoot name? Oh, fuck. I can't remember. I don't, I don't know. I, don't he, know. I, I feel like you'd know, you'd know if you saw him because he's the only man shaped like that in the world. <laughs> he has the crazy traps and he's bald. Yeah, no, it was not him. I did not see him on here. They mostly make them run a bunch of suicides and then eat pasta and milk. (laughs) (laughs) And this one guy's like, I get back spasms. And you find yourself going, why do you want to wrestle? But whatever. You know who I think would do really good at that challenge? Producer Nate. Yeah, he would. Yeah, he would. Any milk chugging challenge. Shout out. Can do great. To the milkman. (laughs) Who will eventually tag with our friend Yvonne. Yeah. <laughs> and Stokely. Stokely just chugged some half and half at a show the other night. In I was presumably in Nate's honor, because that's his gimmick. So Yeah. The, yeah. This, I'm starting beef right now. I'm accusing Stoke of stealing the milkman gimmick. See now that is kind of a continuation of what happened with us because we're sort of like the only fulfillment of Stoke you know endorsing a dream team as it were and now right. that he's turning on us and stealing our gimmick <laughs> everything true. is full circle it's true <laughs> love you stoke but anyway <laughs> diva search diva search quarter million it's the most awfully it's gross 2006 they all come out to an all-american reject song <laughs> they are wearing a generous third of a shirt which like i'm not slut shaming of course it's not. just like they're all objectified. And totally. Like, you know, they're objectified, like, now, but it's not as blatant. It doesn't feel like a fucking, like, wet t-shirt contest. Yeah, it's, it's a wet t-shirt than, contest. Yeah, it's different than lining up a group of women and making people hoot and holler at them. Like, yeah, that is a get, very different thing. They get, like, 20 seconds to be like, hi, and they're more, some of them are more awkward on mic than The Miz. Yeah. Some of them are less. Maurice <laughs> is great. Maurice does great. So we skip in time forward a little bit and uh, we watched the Money in the Bank 2010 match, which was a couple years after this. And then we watched Miz's subsequent cash in. And 
I mostly chose this one for Rachel for uh, a couple of reasons. Something I hadn't seen. You hadn't seen it. Yeah. Um, I just really like ladder matches. I think they're really fun. Yeah. There are a lot of people in this match that I like that aren't The Miz. I love The Miz, but you got you got Jericho, who I like, obviously. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much Edge you've watched, but I like Edge. He's uh, the long hair guy. I liked Edge after Becky told him to fuck off. <laughs> uh, and then you have um, Evan Bourne, who we've seen on the show before. You have Johnny Mundo. Johnny Mundo. So, you and know. And Randy Orton. And Mark Henry. And Mark Henry. So Randy Orton sucks, but like everybody else, I'm like, I'm happy to see. Oh, and Ted DiBiase Jr., <laughs> who I think just retired and like has a regular job now which is super weird like but he comes in with maurice which is yes important to the lawyer so i i chose this like just because there are people in it i like and i like a ladder match it's a good match it's a good match it miz doesn't do a ton of stuff in it but i also feel like he wins and he cuts a promo and that's what the miz is good at anyway like he's a decent wrestler he's fine but that's not what makes him interesting he's totally serviceable but um I think that he's a better performer than he is a wrestler. And oh, he could actually act, I think, if he wanted to. He's in the to. Marine now. Yeah. <laughs> he's taken over from John Cena in the Marine movies. Are we going to watch that? For we the show? Sh- totally should. We probably should. <laughs> so, as you said, Ted DiBiase comes in with. with Ted Maurice. DiBiase comes in with, a, with Maurice, and Maurice almost breaks the glass ceiling in this. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's so funny to me because. Maurice, yeah, she gets in the ring and uh, everybody, all the men are on the outside and, and are down and are hurt or whatever. And she gets in the ring and she starts to climb the ladder for Ted DiBiase. And it looks like she has no idea what she's doing. And the commentary is very like, I can't even believe she like picked up that ladder, like all this stuff. And, but then they also mention that she's been the Divas champion. So it's like... <laughs> This is so shitty that you're like... Quarter a million versus a million. All I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming she probably won the Divas Championship in some kind of heelish way or something. But like, still, they're just like... She's acting as if she has never been in a wrestling ring in her life. And this is somebody who apparently had a title at some point. It's just very silly to me. I immediately projected the narrative of she was grabbing it for her fucking self. And then she had to <laughs> cover her ass and be like, oh, no, I was trying to distract Hell yeah. them. That's how I believe it. Especially as someone who became Ms. Wife. Hot wife. Hot wife. Hot wife. Yeah, from his WrestleMania entrance where they just projected the words hot wife above <laughs> It's <laughs> the best thing ever. Nothing more this show. <laughs> Truly. Uh, but yeah, Maurice tries to break, break the glass ceiling. I like also... Do so not challenge me. John, Johnny Mundo uh, comes in and like takes her off the ladder kind of is gentle about it doesn't do like wrestling moves to her or whatever but he does kind of sling her over his shoulders at one point and part of me was like i really want johnny mundo to give her a death valley driver right now just fucking like, <laughs> it'd be so funny jo- uh, johnny mundo also does one of my favorite baby face moves in his entrance in this where he puts some of his gear on a child he puts some of his gear on a child he also whoever decided that he should have a fan and be in slow motion for his entrance oh is God. a fucking genius and deserves like all the Emmys in the world. It is so good. It's perfect. <laughs> oh my God. He throws his hair like a 19 year old Britney Spears. Yeah. He's am- amazing. Full of life. <laughs> if anybody uh, who listens to this show is a fan of Survivor, please tell me if this season with him is worth watching. I've never watched Survivor. I've heard it's a great show. 
But I was going to bring that up that like we have another reality show guy in this in this match. Um, and, and Johnny Mundo is also from Tough Enough. He was also on a, a season of Tough Enough. So God, can you imagine being a casting director and getting a tape from Johnny Mundo? <laughs> it's got to be like finding gold. Yeah, totally. The gold rush. I, I remember seeing his audition and he's talking about how he's like he was a gymnast, I guess, before. So it's like I see that this guy, lo- guy, this guy looks like this and he can do flips like jackpot gold mine but yeah the match is great uh it's very fun i really like ladder matches i've been a little critical of uh ladder matches before on this show where i think it's really funny where they have to like wiggle their fingers to get it it's because it requires very precise timing a thousand moving parts yeah but it's good acting throughout this too like evan Bourne when he can't get it off the hook like Walt Jericho's clearly trying to get up there to like yeah. take him off he sells it well yeah he does he does a great job he has a lot of fun spots in this because he's like the little guy in this match yeah and so like he like jumps on Mark Henry's back oh my god like, so cute he like scampers up Mark Henry it's really good <laughs> which is like a great bit yeah it's a super good bit and I, there's a part where they basically like play catch with him and like throw him yeah like two guys like throw him out of the ring to Mark Henry who catches him who then slams him on the ground it's just like it's cute I like it yeah it's fun yeah I also really like uh not to go back to not to glow about Johnny Mundo too much but he also has my favorite spot in this match yeah, which Where one? Where he goes from one ladder to another to another. Yeah. It's a great... I rewound it a couple of times. Yeah. Just because I was like, damn, you're really good at this. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah, he rules. Um, Yeah, I just, you know, I thought it was fun. And then The Miz wins. And I also think it's interesting when he wins... There are a bunch of, obviously, like most ladder matches, there are a lot of moments where you think somebody else is going to get it. Yeah, it's and great. And everybody else gets cheered. But when Miz gets close to it, he gets booed, and then he gets it. And, he's and we the- get an iconic gif out of it. <laughs> <laughs> he's the only person in the match who gets booed, and I think that's like a very commendable thing. Oddly brave of WWE's booking. Yeah? Yeah. To like have it be him. Like, the crowd is pissed yeah they're like really mad it's fun and then there's that like aforementioned iconic gif of that long-haired child scowling yeah i was so happy to finally learn where it came from because <laughs> i knew the entire time i've seen it that it was from wrestling but i was like i wonder when it's gonna come up for me yeah. and then it finally did yeah so that's like, awesome really really excited there's a child crying i think in one of them <laughs> like they really get their money's worth out of how pissed off the audience is i mean look we love chuck taylor on this show if anyone <laughs> If anyone knows how important it is to make children cry when you're a bad guy in wrestling, it's it's him. So, like, yeah. <laughs> if you can get kids to cry, like, you're doing your job right. Yeah. Like, great job. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I also think that's, again, it's a good example of, like, who he is as a wrestler because he, like, keeps himself safe the whole time and, like, a true shithead coward comes in and grabs it for himself. Yep, pretty much. Which is great. And <laughs> he gives a promo where... He's basically like, I've proved you all wrong. Like, I did it. You, you none of you believed in me. me. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like that is like a classic wrestling trope for a reason. It's very believable. And I also think it's a very easy way for the same story to be a heel story or a face story. Like, if that's somebody's story, I think you can switch them, switch their alignment a lot. Yeah, because Daniel it's like, Ryan's is the same. You right. all doubted me. Right. 
So with The Miz, it's like, you all doubted me, fuck you. But also when he's a babyface, it's like, you all doubted me and I worked my ass off for this company because he did. Like, there are stories of him when he first got on the main roster. They made him change in public bathrooms. They wouldn't let him into the locker room because they were like, fuck you, reality star guy. Like, we don't want you here. Oh, he got hazed. He, he got hazed so hard. And he went through it and worked his ass off and again not that it's like acceptable to do that and like fuck anybody who thinks that that kind of shit builds character but like he did he he dealt with it all and he got the fucking universal championship he pinned randy orton yeah like in a squash (laughs) (laughs) yeah so you know i think that there's like it's a good story because you can tell it from several different perspectives and depending on the perspective you want to take at the particular time, you're going to view the character differently and they're going to be able to have different types of matches. And I think yeah. that that is like very uh, smart. Yes. I completely agree. And we didn't even get into what he does right after this, which is that he cashes in on Randy Orton in like the best shithead coward way. Like yeah. Braun did it with honor, which was a bad call. Right. <laughs> he runs in, Take this. It's yep. perfect. It's it's perfect asshole work. Yeah. I mean, that's why I think it's like it's way more fun when you have a bad guy win the money in the bank because then they can just take a cheap shot. And it's like so fun. Like you never know when they're going to come out and, you know. And it's also it really proves to me like how dark of an era was in WWE that people were sad for Randy Orton. <laughs> I know we're hard on the guy, but like, <laughs> ew. I like, yeah. hate when they keep calling him a slithering snake. They love the snake stuff with him. They're always like, oh, snake eyes oh like you know the cold hearted python or whatever I mean, it's he so does dumb. kind of look like a snake but like have you seen voldemort like that guy's <laughs> not hot no offense to the people who think voldemort is hot like, i'm i'm gonna have to disagree with you i think randy orton is hot i don't I want you were to gonna say full offense to people who think voldemort is hot i didn't think this was gonna go in that direction no it's hey no judgment <laughs> but like randy orton is hot he's just like shitty like he's He's boring and he has bad political opinions, but like he's hot. I'm making a face. You can probably hear it. You can definitely hear it. <laughs> so you mentioned he has sort of a, a parallel like character motivation to Daniel Bryan. Nega Bryan. <laughs> yeah. And they've been foils for each other for a lot of their careers. Almost a decade, right? Yeah. A, a, quite a bit of time. And... So we watched a bunch of stuff with Daniel Bryan for this. And the first thing we watched was Daniel Bryan was on NXT back when NXT was like a reality competition show. So before NXT was a developmental thing, it was kind of like Tough Enough. It was like an updated version of Tough Enough. I'm so pleased that the like critically lauded a WWE thing that everyone loves is reality TV. Yeah. I feel really validated. That was, that's its roots. <laughs> that's what its roots were. I mean, and it's all rea- like, reality TV is wrestling, and wrestling is reality TV yeah. in terms of like how it works your audience. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, Daniel Bryan was on an episode uh, on a season of NXT, which I think on is the really first one ever. I think it said in the notes. I, I think so. Yeah. The, they. I think they only had one season. They might have had two. Yeah. But. Um, that's really interesting to me because like that I think again speaks to how different the indie scene is now versus what it was back then. Like you would never have somebody like a Daniel Bryan caliber figure, somebody who was like a real superstar in the indies doing a reality competition show to get a contract. Like that never would have Yeah. 
that never would have would happen now. Like now you have Matt Riddle coming out at the beginning of a pay-per-view and squashing a guy, you know? Yeah. It's it shows the the way that the indies have been viewed is is so different. Um, I think that's probably due in large part to Brian and his success on WWE. Yeah. Because he I know that they tend to like pretend they don't exist or like barely right. acknowledge them. They're acknowledging them more now vis-a-vis signing everyone in in fucking, the world in yeah the, we're gonna get signed um <laughs> that would be cool uh, <laughs> but in the clip we watched he's like i know i have a lot of fans from the indies mm-hmm. with his like atrocious little bangs <laughs> yeah daniel has bryan caesar. has turf bangs he has a caesar haircut <laughs> it's so bad i he he has like a matt riddle face to me where i just feel like he looks better with long hair like he has such big features on kind of a small head and yeah it just doesn't look right with with short hair it looks really weird but uh, I just think this promo is so interesting. So NXT, it was sort of like uh, the voice, LB said, where you had like a pro that you were assigned and The Miz was Daniel Bryan's pro. <laughs> and so they immediately just didn't get along and, and were sort of cast as opposites. And so this promo is basically him saying like, I really wish I could have chosen a different pro. Like, fuck this guy. And then The Miz comes out <laughs> and they get in an argument and I just feel like it's such a showcase of Daniel Bryan. Like it, I think it really does help put him over as a new guy for the Miz to let him kind of talk for shit. This hated guy to bully him. Yeah. Again, Nega Bryan, like he got bullied severely, and it was a detriment to him for a long time. And this is Daniel Bryan taking the bullying and saying, "Look at me, I'm an angel." Right, and and also like voicing a lot of the stuff that people have criticized the Miz for of like oh you're just here because you were on reality TV and you acted like an idiot and you you know sang and danced your way into a contract you can't wrestle like all that stuff and then the Miz also again having a point which is sort of the history of Daniel Bryan and the Miz is that they're both right when they argue about this stuff the Miz being like you also need to have a personality like where's the fucking razzle dazzle man like you can't just come out here and and do submission moves like that's not going to be enough here so I think it's just a really interesting like lens through which to view the rest of their relationship because it's like they're both being shitty to each other they're both kind of correct and it makes both of them look really good this is a Miz episode so I'm going to defend him here is (laughs) I don't blame him for being shoot frustrated that he's been working his ass off and everyone hates him and some fuckhead with a Caesar haircut comes in and is more over than him instantly yeah absolutely I get it I'm not saying it's right but I get it (laughs) completely that's what I mean is they're both like correct in their sort of resentment for each other and they both represent like different poles of what wrestling can be and if you're on if you're in one camp it can be hard to understand what people see in the other camp I think yeah um but yeah so I I just thought that was really interesting and then they had this is much later but we watched the iconic uh Miz fucking going off on Daniel Bryan on Talking Smack which I love. I've watched that so many times. It's so good. <laughs> it is probably one of my favorite blurring of the kayfabe. Yeah. It goes from being kayfabe to like a little too real. Absolutely. Yeah. It's legit. You can tell he is really angry. He's really angry. And like Daniel Bryan is like, you know, a peaceful man outside of the ring. <laughs> and he kind of makes the decision to be like, all right, I'm 
removing myself from the situation yeah. here. Yeah, I mean, I wonder to what extent they knew that they were doing something really special in that moment. I think they must have known, but it's still a real moment. You well, know? you said to me I, on a previous episode that Miz said to him, like, hey, I'm going to go off on you. And then Ryan said, all right, man, go for it. It's again, I feel like it is the... They do, when they do these promos together and when they do this work together where they are antagonistic to one another, they do verbally and emotionally what they do in a wrestling ring where you talk to your opponent and you say, hey man, I'm going to get real probably at certain points. I'm going to do a shoot on you. Right. Or or just sort of like, we're going to start this out not wanting to hurt each other, but we know how this goes and sometimes you get carried away and sometimes in order to make a, a genuine exciting moment you need to get hurt a little bit and you like and also the other side of that of like I'm going to allow you to hurt me or allow you to to seem like you've hurt me in order to make you look stronger because I'm a selfless performer and I think they both do that with each other yeah even though I do think they probably don't like each other very much oh god Miz is a pretty good actor. He does not fucking like that guy. It <laughs> feels so obvious. I wonder if they like are in awkward situations because I think Maurice and uh, Brie Bella are friends. So like, is that weird? Like their wives are buddies. And they just have to awkwardly like stand around at cookouts with their kids. <laughs> I mean, Daniel dealt with John Cena on his reality show. How much did he deal with the Miz on Divas? You know? Yeah, I don't. I don't know how much, but. I, that's also funny is like they're they're cast as these like complete opposites and yet they both have reality TV shows with their wives and like, children it's so silly <laughs> like no this is all fucking fake you're all the same there's like one percent difference between you but it is like I, I just think they work really well together because of yeah that. and like I think that is part of it too is that like they probably don't like each other but they also know what they can get out of each other and they even kind of acknowledge it in the promo package for their SummerSlam match from this year where Miz says like you need me to get over you need this beef to get over would you say that Daniel Bryan is now Coral in this situation Miz and Coral had this antagonistic relationship that made wonderful television together where like they were both like very antagonistic to one another and then making television magic with it and then reprising that antagonistic relationship on all of these different seasons of television. That's exactly what Daniel Bryan and Miz are doing. You know, like I feel like Coral prepared him for this. Oh, he would not be who he is without Coral. Yeah. Like I feel like Daniel Bryan and Miz, it's the same like turning genuine dislike into entertainment for other people. I will say that Miz and Coral became friends later. Uh, that makes me happy. Yes. I'm glad. I yes. hope that, I hope, I want that for, for he and Daniel Bryan. I went through her Twitter feed earlier today and she doesn't tweet that often, mostly ads for philosophy skincare, which like, <laughs> respect, but she retweeted the announcement for Miz and Mrs. Aw, that's it's very cute. sweet. But anyway, yeah, you were talking about the SummerSlam promo. The SummerSlam promo was great. Like, if you listen to this and go, I want to fast track this, but I don't want to invest the time into watching this, watch the SummerSlam promo. You'll get it. Watch the SummerSlam promo, but first watch the fake baby one. Because that's in the lead up to SummerSlam, and it's the fucking best thing I've ever seen in my life. It's so good. Oh my god. (laughs) It's so good. It's fucking perfect. It's convoluted as hell in terms of like a plan that the Miz constructs. Yeah, it's insane. (laughs) So 
<laughs> around the time of of SummerSlam, like a little before SummerSlam, July into July, um, Ms. and Mrs. was coming out. Which, by the way, I remember telling you about that show on a previous episode. That is a genius name. Yeah. God damn. Also, uh, in the a SummerSlam like backstage promo, the B team guys call it Miz and Mers, which I think is really funny. Yeah. Um, and they all call themselves the D team for Daniel Bryan. You're right. Yeah, yeah. They're the they're the D team for Daniel Bryan. So uh but leading up to that, like Maurice has had a baby and Miz and Mrs. is gonna be all about like them adjusting to life as parents and like all this stuff. So yeah, so the Miz has a baby and they're doing like a segment of Miz TV or something with Miz and Maurice to promote Miz and Mrs. and then Daniel Bryan comes out and Miz throws the baby at Daniel Bryan and then does like a, a move on him and like throws him down. And it's absurd. It is absurd. It's so funny. <laughs> it's, it's so good. It's so funny for him to like <laughs> ply like sweet, gentle, green party Daniel Bryan into being like, oh no, a child and right. it's a fake baby. <laughs> <laughs> he just tosses him this baby and Daniel Bryan's like, what? And then, yeah, uh, I also really like at the end of this, like he he because he still has a mic and he's like of course i didn't bring my baby here and he does the whole heel thing where he's like i would never bring my baby to the city and everyone's like boo <laughs> uh, but then he's like if you really want to see my baby you have to watch ms and mrs <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like perfect carny reality show trash and i was so happy i like to think of it as the perfect postmodern commentary on how Babies are used to further fame. Yeah. For reality stars. Absolutely. Who was the bachelor? There was a bachelor contestant who spawned conned her baby announcement. <laughs> I, I'm not surprised. I don't know who, but yeah, I that, forget that makes perfect I have, sense. I can, I can Google it, but it's, it's horrifying and I hate it. And like, salute it's fascinating it's <laughs> exactly. awful but you can't look away no you know? absolutely you cannot fucking look away like that tweet that went viral earlier this week where that instagram mom said oh that her God. kid didn't have the right amount of metrics and she didn't yes. want it to affect his self-esteem that was wild i love terrible gross things all the time <laughs> for whatever reason i was like interacting with this is like a little too much for me i'm just gonna observe it peripherally yeah that was the right decision <laughs> that's usually the right decision but it can be difficult give sometimes. me dr pimple popper any day but like it was like so depressing <laughs> <laughs> i love dr pimple popper she's the best i am reasonably kicked out of the room when i watch dr pimple popper <laughs> at night <laughs> well yeah anyway <laughs> I interrupted you talking about the SummerSlam promo package. Oh, so yeah, the the baby thing is so important. Unironically, <laughs> clap hands emojis. It's great. This is so important. It's so good. But the promo package involves him flipping out on Talking Smack, and it involves their history and stuff. And it's like, okay, I get it now. These guys fucking hate each other. Let's go. Yeah. And it's great. It's awesome. I mean, that kind of stuff... Like, the whole point of those promo packages is that it's supposed to make you interested in the outcome of the match. And I feel like the, their whole history together, like, really does. It really invests me in it. Yeah. And it's because it it seems there's some verisimilitude to it. It's It seems like a legitimate argument and disagreement that two people would have in their lives. And, like, you always say, you know, like, that, like, the best heels have a point. Like, the most compelling stories are when people on either side do kind of have valid points. It's just a different of pers difference in perspective. I What I think is fascinating about the talking smack argument is that they're both right. 
Exactly, and, yeah. Because, like, I mean, he doesn't acknowledge it there, but Daniel Bryan says in the promo for the SummerSlam match, like, I knew my style would catch up to me. Yeah. And he criticizes Miz for wrestling what he appears to be too safe, but, like, who was out and who wasn't? Right, yeah, no, Miz has, like, a really good point. And he also has a good point when he's like, if you love this so much, like, why don't you quit? Like, that, I think, is a very compelling, like wrinkle in that story of like oh man you know if i could just get back out there if i could just get back that there it's like well you could if you ended your wwe contract and went back to the indies that you claim to love so much like it's not you know obviously go back to your bingo hall exactly <laughs> there are plenty of reasons why he wouldn't have done that but and like should not do that yeah oh my god i like love i am a very privileged person to have gotten into wrestling this year and have seen his return and been able to cry but like should he be wrestling no (laughs) no i mean yeah we we could do a whole uh whole episode on that uh survivor series match that he did it was awesome but yeah he like so good he shouldn't be wrestling no god no (laughs) um what are you doing but yeah i i just really liked their their SummerSlam match i feel like they told a good story with it where um you know like another thing the miz is criticized for a lot is that he kind of ripped off a lot of Daniel Bryan's offense, which I also think is interesting because this is somebody who's always been kind of a rival to him, um, that he stole a bunch of his moves when he was in retirement. And then he steals his moves even more. Yeah. So I, I just think that was like really cool. Um, I also love his Naruto headband, obviously. That's why I said Nega specifically because <laughs> he, is he a Naruto fa- I wouldn't be surprised. I Yeah, I really want to know because it's like very Naruto. And he's been wearing it for like a year at least. It is overwhelmingly Naruto. My theory is that I think he's doing uh, the thing where it's like your hairline's going back so you put a headband on. You know what I mean? The Greg. The Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I've, look, I've said Greg should lose the headband. I, I think his hairline's great, but it's it's the, he's done that move. I like how He's not I, the only one, but he's... The <laughs> I like how I did the thing that mothers do at you where they mouth something to talk <laughs> shit, but I did it into a mic. <laughs> well, I think he's doing the Greg where like his hairline's going back a little bit, so he like put a headband on, but it's like a crazy Naruto headband. <laughs> so... I don't know, man. Um, it's a look. <laughs> it's so good. It's beautiful. Uh, I also really like um, Maurice's involvement in this. I think is really good. Wunderbar. She's so wonderful. God, keep breaking that glass ceiling, babe. I, Go for it. I think she's so great. We watched. I remember when we did our Total Divas episode, we watched the one where um, Ms. and Maurice bring Maurice's mom to a gun range. <laughs> <laughs> Ms. teaches her how to shoot a gun. It's so good. It's so cute. Yeah. I, I love them. We should watch a Ms. and Mrs. at some point. Yeah. Uh, that would be good commentary, a Ms. and Mrs. commentary. Yeah. For the for the bonus feed. But uh yeah, it's it's just great. Um he cheats to win, which is like classic, wonderful. Are bad they guy doing stuff. anything with this now or is it kinda like I haven't been watching the weekly stuff. Apparently Ms. is a face now, which is weird. Um what? I, again, I think he can work as a face. I think he can work as a face, but I have so much joy with him as a heel. Like, one of the extra credit things we watched was him, to, him telling Asuka she's not allowed to hug. Yeah, it's so good. It's so, I <laughs> cry, I was laughing joyfully. I'm just like, everyone can, no. Yeah. No. He's, he's really fun. Like, he's good at the sort of, like, intensity stuff with Daniel Bryan. And then he does, like, good comedy heel stuff, too. Like, we watched him with Pee Wee Herman, and it was awesome. Uh, 
Like, my heart. <laughs> well, because he's a big Pee Wee Herman fan. Yeah. As yeah. I predicted. Yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> when we, if you haven't listened to that episode, we did a full deep dive on it. Yeah. Too. Uh, of, it's delightful. Yeah. Like, I think he, I think he is pretty versatile, but he's him as a face is like not super interesting to me i don't know i'll see what they do with it i like i said i haven't been watching maybe it's great it, i doubt it but maybe it's great um <laughs> but yeah it. i know they did like they had they did the tag match with like Miz and maurice versus uh brie and and daniel like i remember they did that at some pay-per-view like they did a little bit of stuff with it. It's definitely not like over, but yeah. now they've switched alignments, right? So Daniel Bryan is a heel right now. Yeah. Um, because he's hitting everybody in the balls, and uh... <laughs> God bless whoever made the AJ Styles edit. Yeah, the AJ Styles eighteen twelve overture uh, edit of him getting hit in the balls every time the cannon goes off. <laughs> Very good. Very good. I feel that uh, Miz is as much of a success as Kim Kardashian, and there's a lot that you can mirror between them. Yeah, definitely kind of parallels of, like, nobody took you seriously because you came from this uh, very sort of mockable uh, form of cheap, quote-unquote, cheap entertainment, but uh, you had a and dream. he's still doing the cheap entertainment. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's at least the cheap entertainment that was his dream and yeah, not the stuff he fell into. I'm not saying that he's like, you know, getting cornrows like she is and <laughs> being extremely, sincerely very problematic in terms of his interactions with the black community. But I'm saying that like both of them had a goal. Both of them had an opportunity and both of them took it. Right. Like they both come from things they were jokes like they were both people that everybody thought were like flash in the pan idiots but they both have very very intense work ethic and uh are very longevity of their empires are very smart about how they're perceived and uh very self-aware about that and are able to transcend it and i think that that is a very apt comparison i think it's just fascinating that the last time we saw him not in ms mode was what 15 years ago 16 years ago i mean i saw him at the airport that one time <laughs> yeah but his hair was done his hair was, his done. Hair was done that is i let's close on that i know i've mentioned it on here before but since this is a Miz episode uh after wrestlemania weekend we were all we were flying out very early in the morning um and a lot of the raw roster was there and i saw the Miz, and he was sitting by himself and it was like 4 30 in the morning and he was looking at his phone and his hair was done perfectly at 4.30 in the morning. Werewolf of London. A goddamn <laughs> professional, that guy. And you didn't approach him because you were like, I'm not sure if it's him. No, wait, his hair is done perfectly and yeah. he's wearing a suit. It he, has to be him. He was like very well, well kept. Very well kept. And you and I were like early in the morning. Unshowered leggings, no makeup. Yeah looking gross and he was like by himself and he was like on his phone and yeah. then i looked i like looked up his twitter and he was like tweeting like a picture of his baby or something i'm like okay i'm not gonna bother him yeah <laughs> but uh probably the right call definitely not the one i would have made <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh we're we're on team Miz Miz respect squad over here Miz uh, respect squad bum, 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 bum. <laughs> thank you so much for listening uh we have a patreon as we said we will be posting an episode a little more in depth about the reality show origins of Miz um pretty soon so check that out patreon.com slash wrestlesplania we are also wrestlesplania on twitter wrestlesplania at gmail.com please say hello follow us interact give us five stars on itunes thank you so much uh have a wonderful week we'll see you next time bye bye